Good evening and a very warm welcome to you, wherever you may be, tuning into this very, very special edition of the Football Out West Show. It's episode 66 and it's all about the Euros tonight. And, um, well, my name's Tonchi Prusak. I'm pretty excited about what's going to go down over the next 12 hours or whatever. But I tell you what, nowhere near as excited as the man, um, as the men who are going to be on the uh, show tonight with me bringing you all the action and um craig filer that is craig filer with the um donadoni hat or whatever he's calling it the yeah and steve curtain gentlemen how are we all very well tonchi very well steve very good listeners <laughs> Oh, well, Craig's super excited, as am I. Now, Craig, is it true that you're going to be actually heading down to uh, Ligon Street with no. that wig on? No, because no. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> no, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually going elsewhere to watch the game, Tom. So, um, yes, won't be, um, I won't be going to Ligon Street this afternoon, uh, this evening, or this morning, sorry. Uh, to watch it, but um, I certainly will be wearing my blue of it Italy, my wig, yeah. and I'm going to try and get my face painted as well beforehand, but I'm um, just struggling to find some red paint. Well, I do suggest Bunnings. They've got permanent paint, maybe, or watercolour paint. Maybe that, that, that beard would look really well if it was colour-coordinated with the wig. Well, it's never all agree, that's for sure. <laughs> Steve Curtin, you've had a very, very busy weekend commentating games. Um, we had the pleasure of commentating last night. Unfortunately, I didn't have the pleasure of commentating with you today. You're on your uh, lonesome, as was I, actually. But, yeah, how's your weekend been? Yeah, it's pretty hectic. I've actually just got a garden stake and in inserted it as my uh, spinal cord at the moment just to keep me upright for this uh, for this next uh, hour or so. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we get through. But we've got we've, we've got the Peroni here to keep us going. So, um, I could, sorry, I couldn't find any British beer to our English fans. Sorry, um, I couldn't find anything that was warm enough to uh, class as that. So, um, sorry, that's a bit of a sledge. It's not just a... Yeah, it'll be, all, it'll be warm and off. I've got my cappuccino. Cappuccino, as I like it. Yep, so uh, we're, all, we're all jumping into some sort of... Uh, Italian slash English uh, 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 flavor. It's all about the English and it's all about the um, um, Italians tonight. Um, all of Europe turns its attention and indeed all of the world. But gents, how good has this tournament been? Been Honestly, I think it's been, it's had everything. It's had its ups and downs. It's had its um, dr drama. Craig, first to you, have, how have you seen the last, oh, what, month or so? Yeah, last month, Tonchi. Oh, look, I think it's been fantastic. Um, given the challenges that um, everybody's had in terms of where games are played and how they're played and the numbers uh, allowed at stadiums, I think it's been a fantastic success. Um, you know, it's it's something that I think the whole world needed or certainly all of Europe needed. And, you know, we're not European. Well, I am, but uh, um, we're not in Europe. But we, we found it a real fascinating and uh, a joy to watch. I think it's been brilliant and all uh, was all built up, and obviously, early hours of this morning, we've got the uh, the grand final. So um, yeah, loved every minute of it. Perhaps my my eyes haven't. Perhaps my wife hasn't. Well, certainly, <laughs> my job hasn't. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's great to be involved. 
Now, Steve, uh, with all the attention focused on London and, and the epicentre of the football world today, Wembley, um, a lot of people have forgotten that at the same time, the Copper America has been happening as well. And that's been uh, going on. Have you had a chance to uh, catch any of that uh, uh, today, mate? Mate, I would have loved Oh, oh, what happened there? I have watched the final of the Copa America today, and I obviously... I, I, oh, hello. Yeah, we got you. We got you back. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have watched the, the final yeah. of the Copa today, but um, there's a few things, including a, a 10K race, and then traveling to Melbourne to call a game, and then traveling to back to do the show again. Didn't uh, agree with that schedule, unfortunately, so I might catch some uh, highlights tonight after the show, perhaps maybe a bit of... Yeah, a I did happen to watch it, uh, guys, and um, I have to say it was a pretty drab affair. I've never known a game where the referees whistled blew so much for mm. little silly free kicks it just wasn't a football match it was just a, it was a kicking kicking game for yeah. 90 minutes um you know as as much as they obviously they're probably the most technical gifted players in the world as a football spectacle it wasn't uh, it wasn't very good but so, I'm sure there will be somebody that will um, disagree with me. As, yeah, as I'm all. sure. It's, football is a game of opinions. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's very, it reminds me very much of the game I, I commentated this afternoon. I'm not going to mention which the games were, but it was just it was just a mistakes, mistakes, turnovers, turnovers. Alex Sivkarovsky, he's joined in on the um, conversation. He says, Messi, 17 years of Barcelona, no international trophies. Free agent for one month, international <laughs> trophy. Good work, Alex. <laughs> Fantastic, Alex. Good pick up there. Really good. How, how is that? I, I mean, I put on, <laughs> uh, on Twitter earlier on today. How much of a travesty would it have been if 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 Messi had gone through his whole career mm. and we know the, um, the, the number of uh, championships he's won and trophies he's won at Barcelona, not to get some kind of title with arguably one of the biggest teams in the world in Argentina? Mm. Yeah, well, and especially the frequency that the Copa America is held sometimes every uh, two years. They had that centenary one as well. You'd think that he would have got a win there in one of them, but um, he's, yep, he's finally saluted the judges and good on him. Yeah, fair play. Guys, keep the, keep the comments coming. We've got Maxi Santich. He suggests uh, watch the second half, Steve. It had more hits than today's UFC. Oh, uh, UFC, oh. actually. Did you see that? No, oh, you didn't do tell us yeah. more about Conor it. McGregor's well, not in a good way, hey. No, it's not. I mean, if anybody's seen it, it is on social media. Uh, it wouldn't be right to post it on here, but uh, yeah, he broke his uh, he broke his ankle, and it's uh, it's a horrible sight to see. But Ooh, uh, in the first round as well. Oh gosh! Yeah, at halftime today, cameraman Adam said, "Would you like to see this uh, bit of footage?" And I said, not, "Not right now, thank you." <laughs> it's, it's horrible. If you haven't seen it, get onto social media. I'm sure you can find it. It's uh, yeah, it's bloody horrible. Now this one's for you, Craig Pete Bradley from the Western United Football Club. He says, uh, hey. "Is that a Welsh wig, Craig?" Well, I haven't, I haven't well. found a hole yet. It's about time you found a hole. Doug, or Doug started to dig one because he's he's going to get it for the next fifty years if England lose tonight. Let me tell you. Yes, it's either going to be all the Italians coming out to party or the, all the English coming out to party. We're either going to hear a lot of um, he only pops up every now and then and gives abuse. Yeah, That's all he does. He doesn't he doesn't say anything any good. He just comes in with things. <laughs> Big shout out to Pete Bradley, gentleman of a bloke. He's um, indeed. Um, indeed, guys. We've got a massive show, Craig. Who have we got lined up for tonight? Mate, some huge, huge 
names, international yeah, stars. Look, yeah, look, we have, um, you know, tried all week to try and get uh, a few people on. We had actually got, a, um, as I said to you yesterday, we had a few few in, in the background that we could have got on, but uh, really pleased to get um, a chap who's... Uh, I suppose the European um, football correspondent for uh, for in in the UK, very well known in the UK, uh, also commentator presenter. We've got Mister um, uh, Bloody Hell. There we go. I forgot his name. Kevin Hatchard. <laughs> um, Kevin Hatchard will be joining us in about uh, three or four minutes, and yeah. he's uh, he's going to talk to us about obviously everything England. And Is then that- on the other on the other side of that, Tonch, we've got um, an Italian living in Moscow. Married to a Moscow girl from Melbourne. In London, sorry, in Melbourne, but is in London to watch the game, Whoa, and he's managed to get one of one thousand tickets that Italy have been given out of sixty-five thousand for today's game. So uh, we'll get and speak to Daniel Pagnocolo, who's going to come on and have a chat with us. Peg- How did you say that, Pagnocolo? Daniel Pagnocolo. If you're going to wear a wig like that, better improve your pronunciation. I think it's Pagnacolo. Is that right? No, Pagnacolo. <laughs> and then, um, and then, following that, Tonch, we're going to have uh, another um, esteemed, I suppose, uh, well-known uh, voice here in in Victoria and the Oakley Cannons coach, who's yes. also a, a proud, uh, proud uh, Englishman. Uh, Chris Taylor will be coming on, not only to talk about the Euros, but obviously to talk about Oakley Cannons. Uh, form this season and I think they've played if I'm not mistaken seven games in 21 days so wow. uh, we'll have a chat with Chris about uh, how that's affecting his players and uh, and his team. Steve how are you? So kind of you to join us. Yeah I'm back I've been gone I'm not sure where I went just down to the bottle <laughs> shop and I'm back on again. <laughs> oh you've got to, got to cut down on that drinking mate come on seriously. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know. We just had some technical issues there, but you're you're you've managed to come back on, um, Steve. We we're just going on about all of the amazing array of uh, guests we're going to be having on tonight. Yeah, I could still um, hear you actually. So could yeah. you? Okay, yeah. well there you go. The um so, sort of something is doing right. Um, Craig, talking about the um the uh the 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 NPL competition. Geez, what a what a great game it was on Friday night. Um, Oakley Cannons and um and the Melbourne Knights. One of those games that really could have gone either way. A lot of lot of goal mouth action at both ends, but uh, yeah, we're going to get a chance to talk to uh, to to the Oakley Cannons coach um, Chris Taylor, who has had a stint coaching at the Knights as well as at South Melbourne, so um, and was also involved at George Cross, which is our um, our major sponsor as well. So um, I'm sure a lot of the folk that are um, tuning in will remember Chris Taylor rather fondly. So we'll be having him a little later on, but. Uh, I think it's time, is it, to uh, to get our first guest? What do you reckon? Yep. Oh, let's get him on. Let's let's get him on. And without further ado, mate, would you like to introduce our next guest? Will do. So it uh, gives me great pleasure to get uh, this this chap on. I uh, I spend most of my days driving around uh, Victoria, listening to uh, to Talk Sport Radio on a uh, on a on a morning here, and he's uh, a regular on the show. Uh, welcome to the show, Kevin Hatchard. How are you? Morning, gents. Very, very well. Very excited about later. Oh, well, mate. Well, what's Kev, how are you? <laughs> really good. Really good. I, I think it's been it's been a great tournament to work on. 
it's been it's felt really joyful to have yeah. fans back in stadiums i think you look at some of the moments andreas christensen scoring that goal for denmark against russia in copenhagen from miles out and just the reaction of the fans obviously that was almost a unique circumstance mm -hmm. given what happened to christian ericsson but i think we've seen it all the way across the tournament it's been great to have thousands and thousands of fans back and it really does remind us of what we've been missing because, of course, for a long, long time, we've had empty stadiums. And as commentators, we do our best uh, to try and cover that if you like and you try and be respectful and you try and always remind people that we can't really have a sport without the fans. It's all about the fans. And, um, and uh, um, Kev, thank you for joining us. Um, we're, gonna, we're speaking with um, UK or English football correspondent Kev Hatchard and um, folks, if there's anything you'd like to ask Kev, post it in the um, comment section. We're going to pick out the best comment uh, uh, questions that we're going to pose to the man himself. But tell us a little bit about the atmosphere, not just leading up to today's game, but but the whole uh, over the whole course of the month. I mean, it's um, it's certainly had its ups and downs, hasn't it? I mean, the the um, English press there is quite quite menacing at times. But um, you know, and, and I guess our next guest he's going to say how biased they are. But in your own, I guess you're part of the football media, so not so much the mainstream media, the football media, which is a lot more important in my in my eyes. Tell us from your perspective how you've seen the atmosphere just uh, generate over that time. Well, I think it's been, it was a rocky start because I think there was a lot of questioning of Gareth Southgate to start with. Was he good enough tactically? Some of the players got abuse for taking the knee. I've been massively in support of them taking the knee all the way through. And I think that's the right thing for them to do. Uh, and I understand why they've done it. And there was a, a genuine attempt to muddy the waters and kind of make out that this was some kind of Marxist call to arms. It, it's been all about distraction and all about, you know, trying to give that meaning that it didn't have. And I think that's been commensurate with what we've seen just in British politics in general. So that was really unfortunate. But the players have done themselves proud because what they've done is they've said, no, this is our time, our platform, our stage to say what we want about racial equality, to say what we want about important issues in our society. And they've done what they've done in terms of all the criticism on a football level because they've turned the background noise down to zero and they've done that whether it's about taking the knee whether it's about what formation they should play whether it's about what starting 11 they should play they've done a brilliant job of just cutting all of that out mm. focusing on the task at hand and you have genuinely felt as the tournament's gone on a real momentum building and fans genuinely now believing that england aren't going to mess this up and they are going to win a major tournament um, Kev, one of the things that we saw the FA put out a video supporting the players in their stance and that they've taken before the games, do you think the FA supporting the players has been a key thing that's been pivotal to them being able to perform at this level in the tournament? Yeah, I think the, the whole setup around them, the FA, they've done a great job on the media side of things. They've done a great job on the organisational side of things. I mean, they've had the whole St George's Park development in recent years, which they've really focused on bringing those youth groups through. And I think what's interesting is that England, uh, it, guys like Jaden Sancho, for example, have won major tournaments at youth level with England. So there's a feeling that some of these guys have moved up through the youth groups and that that culture of winning 
has actually been able to seep through into all levels. And I think there's a real faith in the system. There's a real faith that Gareth Southgate is the right man for the job. And what he's very good at, I think, and Roberto Mancini is very similar in some ways. He accepts he can't do it all. He accepts he doesn't know it all. And so what he's done is surround himself with good coaches who are specialists in certain jobs. And I think that's really worked well. I think you find some coaches, whether it's club level, whether it's international level, who try and do it all. Southgate won't do that. Oh, and he, he, he sort of said that didn't he, in his conference yesterday that, um, you know, that he surrounded himself by the people that's right for him and the football club. Uh, and I think, you know, all joking aside, I know I've got the Italy wig on and um, as a, as a I'm well. I'm all for that, by the way. That's been a real debate in media. Shouldn't I, Kevin? It wouldn't be right to me. Yeah. yeah? <laughs> there was a big debate about um, a Scottish paper that had had um, Roberto Mancini Oh, hang uh, on a sec. Just hold it there. Tonchi. Yes. Do we have that? There it is. Wow, there it goes. Exactly what I'm talking about. Wow. Exactly That's the one I'm you're talking about. about. Now, oh, I am all for I that. that. I'm all for that because... Oh, Scotland look at fans, this. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I don't I'm even need to speak. You can just read what I said. <laughs> <laughs> read, it, read it for us, Kev. This is Kev Hatton's so, Twitter. Yes, these are all these are my words back at me. I'm all for stuff like this. Scotland shouldn't want England to win a throw-in, let alone a match. It's an age-old rivalry, so why would we expect Scotland fans not to support Italy? And I go with that with Wales, I go with that with Northern Ireland, go with that with the Republic of Ireland. Why would you want England to win? It doesn't make any sense to me. So that kind of thing. I'm all for. It's like Liverpool and Manchester United. Yeah. I find it a really strange. I'm a Liverpool fan and I've got no problem with United <laughs> hating Liverpool, no problem with Liverpool hating United. That is just how football works. It doesn't have to be nasty. It doesn't have to be over yeah. the top. But rivalries are what really fire us up. Absolutely. Speaking of rivalries, now the real real reason why um, Craig doesn't want England to win is because, have a look at that, the Welsh flag and the Italian flag, almost <laughs> identical, except for that little dragon in the middle. But, uh, Craig, what's going uh, on? Are you, are, you a, are you a wannabe Italian or, or look, are Italians wannabe Welsh? <laughs> Look, as Kevin said, there's 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 rivalry in sport, yeah. and there's good good humoured yeah. rivalry yeah. in sport. And the reality is, you know, I, I'm a I'm a British citizen, citizen or ex-British citizen, now Australian citizen. But of course, you know, you want you want England to do well, you want Scotland to do well, you want Northern Ireland to do well, and you want mm -hmm. Wales to do well. It just happens that England are in the final, yeah, and they build themselves up so much every tournament that the British, the the rest of the British public go go away from them and and it's a shame because you know if 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 things were different you know everybody in britain should be really rallying around england this year because mm, mm. i believe they've got the team that's going to win it well i genuinely do believe they'll beat italy um did i see that through? i did say that didn't yeah. i have yeah. <laughs> <line. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> but like, look, I think they've got the players. I think going back to Harry, um, to Harry, uh, to um, Southgate, um, I think he's been fantastic throughout this tournament. I think the way that he's managed the press, I think the way that he's managed people's expectations. He said very early on that in the initial stages of the tournament, it was about coming through the group stages. He had a lot of stick after the Scotland game massive amounts of skip about how they played and the mm. formation that they played and but he stuck to his and the, and the coaching staff have stuck to the guns and this is the way we're going to play 
now they're down to the 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 the, the, the end of the tournament. They've got one chance now to really create history for for England as a football club, for for Gareth Southgate, for all of the English fans. And uh, I genuinely wish him all the best and all the England players the very best tonight because it's going to be a fantastic final, whoever wins. You know, two fantastic football teams, Mm. you know, rich in history, two very, very good, astute coaches that know the game inside out. Um, And it should be an absolute cracker. There we go. Have I said there'll be a was that a question or a statement? Oh, well, <laughs> I don't know about that one. I was what, what, what did you say end. again, Craig? What was that again? Could you repeat what you just said? <laughs> Kev, speak, speaking of traditions, Kev, or, or rivalries, um, Craig mentioned the game against Scotland. Now, I, I, I mean, I, I can only imagine um, for an Englishman or for a Scotsman, the greatest rivalry at the end of the day would have to be the big game between Scotland and England. How how is off you know off the field amongst the press and all of that? How is that received? I mean, it was a what was it nil nil stalemate. But at the end of the day, um, one on the one hand, it was great to see the Scots at, in a major tournament. There's so many Scots here in Australia, and we love um seeing that happening. But at the same time, it was great also to see England and Scotland. You know, as you said, the crowds coming back. That's what it's all about. How how did you how did you see it all from your end? I think that England-Scotland game was interesting because it felt like me to be, in a weird way, England's lowest point in the tournament in the sense that they didn't really play very well. Scotland were obdurate. Scotland actually played very, very well, I thought, far better than they did uh, in the other games, maybe. And that's when there were concerns about were England too negative? Could they deal with pressure? Could they deal with the occasion? But the moment that really saw it it catch fire was the Germany win. Mm. And if you think about it, that was always going to be the way because there was a lot of talk about do England want to win the group or do they want to finish second and avoid the second place team from the so-called group of death, uh, group F. But I was always of a mind that England should try and win the group because they knew then they'd only play one game away from Wembley. And you have to go into a tournament thinking you can win it. So... They should always have relished playing either Germany or France or Portugal, mm. whoever it happened to be. In the end, it was Germany in that last 16 game. And once they won that game, it felt like a whole load of baggage had been removed and it felt like they genuinely then believed they could go on and win the tournament. So I think the Scotland game, it was great to see England take on Scotland in a, in a major tournament. But on England's journey, in a strange mm. way, I think that was the lowest point. That moment when Muller steered the ball uh, past the post there was a real heart-in-mouth moment in that Germany game. It would, would have been a um, different situation, of course, had that happened. What do you think about going into this game? Are they going to stick with the same 11 that got through against Denmark? It wouldn't surprise me. I think that both teams actually are pretty well set. I think you could definitely come very close to naming the full Italian 11. Uh, and I think that's testament to, to how those players have performed. There aren't many players that Gareth Southgate could consider dropping at this stage. Bukayo Saka's done ever so well since coming into the team. When you bear in mind how young he is, he's dealt with the pressure incredibly well. The only change I might be tempted to make is to is to swap in Jaden Sancho there. But actually... Saka is very responsible in terms of being a two-way player and that's what Gareth Southgate has really prized, that ability to not only attack but have the responsibility to do the defensive work and that's why he's made certain selections. I think the fullbacks will be key again. Luke Shaw down the left and Kyle Walker down the right. If you look at the way that they 
negated the threat of Robin Gosens and Joshua Kimmich against Germany. Then if you look at Denmark, who was Denmark's most impressive player, probably their left wing back, Joachim Mähler, and he just couldn't get involved. He couldn't get into the game. And that was down to the job that Kyle Walker did. So I think overall, I think the teams are probably ones we could pick unless Gareth Southgate has seen some kind of wrinkle, some kind of thing he can exploit in the Italian side. But I don't think there'll be any surprises tonight. We've just Sorry, lost, lost Where do you think the, um, the outlook will be for England tonight? Um, do you think it's going to be in those in those fullback areas? Because I believe that that's probably Italy's weakest point is those fullback areas. Is it a case, as you said, then, you know, Sancho... Sterling on the right and left, maybe, or not Sancho, uh, Saka, pushing those defenders right back and trying to get, you know, um, shore on the ball in those areas, I think, because that's that's certainly where England have, have, have caused problems for me. I think, you know, Luke Shaw has been fantastic. He's had he's had his doubters, uh, certainly for Manchester United this year, uh, but I think he's been superb in this tournament, probably the left, left back of the tournament. Yeah, I think Shaw has been one of the guys that's really vindicated Gareth Southgate's selections because when England matched up against Germany with those wing-backs and played a back three, it worked perfectly. And Shaw not only was able to defend effectively, but he was involved in both goals. So it shows, and that gave him the confidence, I think, to do what he does for Manchester United, which is make lots of chances, get forward, support the attack. I think Di Lorenzo and Emerson are players you can get in behind. I think they're players you can attack. I think as well, what was interesting is in the semi-finals, Spain won that midfield battle hands down. You won't see very often Barella, Jorginho um, and Verratti kind of stretched and, and roughed, not roughed up, but roughed up with the ball, if you like. So not physical challenges, but made to run in the way that they were. And what Spain did very cleverly was with the movement of Danny Olmo, they were able to drag out Giorgio Chiellini. And he doesn't like that. He doesn't like to be dragged out of position. Morata was able to do the same when he scored his goal. So that's what England will try and do. And the key to that is Raheem Sterling. His movement, I think, might tempt Chiellini out. It could disrupt Jorginho as well. So I'll be really interested to see the role that Sterling plays. Because for me, he's the player of the tournament. Now, is he still there? Is he still involved in the squad? Has he not gone off to the Olympics for the diving team? <laughs> now, now, Craig, no. now, 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 you can, I don't think that was a penalty, personally, I also don't think it was a dive, and I think we sometimes get into this duality whereby it's either a penalty and a dive, you know, we, we, yeah, yeah, we yeah. think if a player's gone down, they either dived or they didn't, well, actually, sometimes it's a bit in between, mm. and if he's at full, if he's at full pace, and you know how quick he moves, and he does get a touch, which he does, I mean, the replays have showed that, that there's a touch on the leg and then there's a touch on the hip, he's going to go down. Now, that doesn't need to be a penalty. In the end, it was given. So, I don't think he dived. I also don't think it was a penalty. In the Craig, end, England won. So Craig, fine. you should be familiar with um, appearing like diving, but it's really just a bit of a stumble. I've seen you, you know, do that. All right, maybe alcohol was involved, <laughs> but nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, look, I think it was uh, – and I think you're right, you know, it's um, – yeah. Uh, there will be a lot of people and the comments are coming in now about that, the, about the dive. But, you know, when you're running at that speed, um, I, the, I think the only downside to that one for me, Kev, is that they didn't ask the fourth official to go and have a look at it. I think if the fourth well, official had gone and had a look at it, I think he might have looked at and seen it in a different way. But the reason for that is that once the penalty is given, 
the only time VAR can intervene is if there's enough evidence to suggest there's been a clear and obvious error. Mm. So I think once that penalty is given, there's no way that's going to be overturned by the VAR because there has to be... When the VAR intervenes, they're effectively saying, ref, I think you've made an error. And that's fine. You know, sometimes that happens and the ref can have another look or what have you. But on that occasion, he clearly didn't feel there was enough evidence to overturn the original decision. And we got to live with that. So there we go. (laughs) I, I think it's interesting because I think... If that hadn't happened and England hadn't got the penalty, I'd have still been surprised if England hadn't broken them down because the Danes put in a huge amount of work over the tournament, over the game, and you felt like England was starting to really dominate at that stage. And, you know, it looked like desperate, tired challenges. And in the end, even though there wasn't, for me, enough contact to give the penalty... I can understand why it was given, and it was indicative of how England was starting to make inroads. Now, Kev, how do you think this is going to play out with uh, Italy's last match, looking into the opposition camp now? They only had 29% possession against Spain. Do you think we're going to see a lot of that Catanacho style coming into Italy's game, and they'll be using the pace of their front three to try and catch England's back four square, perhaps maybe on the break will be their main strategy? No, I think they'll want the ball. I think they'll want to dominate possession if they can. It it was unusual, that game against Spain. They don't like that, having Mm. that little possession. It's not really how they play. They'll press without the ball and with that energy. I mean, we've seen how ferocious that press has been as the tournament's gone on. It's a very modern Italy. You know, they have that defensive strength. They have that cohesion. But since Roberto Mancini's taken charge, he wants them to play attractive football. He wants them to pose a threat. With guys like Chiesa and Insigne, they're going to do that. So the only way you can really make those guys tick is to have the ball. So that midfield battle again, as it was against Spain, is going to be key. Now, Brenton Ray's one of our um, uh, most loyal listeners, um, Kev. He says, England to Italy one. That's his prediction. He makes a good point. I think the big crowd of around 67,500 play a major part, no question about it. Also, that Italy have played two games where it's gone 120 minutes could well play a big part, especially if the game gets stretched into the second half. Thoughts about that? Firstly, about the um, parochial crowd. We've, we've, um, uh, Craig and I were talking off-air about it with our next guest, um, only a small allocation of tickets have been given to the Italian um, fans. Yeah, a thousand or something like that. So a very parochial crowd. We know it's at Wembley. How how much of a of a of a an advantage or maybe disadvantage will that be on um, Gareth Southgate's men? I think it's an advantage. Mm-hmm. It's always an advantage if you have a crowd behind you. Uh, but the mitigation of that is that Italy have played at Wembley twice already, and so it won't be unfamiliar surroundings they haven't had to travel you know they, they played the semi-final on tuesday at wembley they've had an extra day to rest and recover so i think that's important for them so i think it gives england an advantage there's no question about that but will it completely throw the italians off yep. kilton no i wouldn't have mm. thought it would so i think they'll be able to cope physically i think one of the things about their squad is it is deep i think england mm. have more world-class game changers. So Mm -hmm. I think that will help them, especially if it goes to extra time. But in terms of the physical side of it, I I don't think Italy will be found wanting. So given all of that, Kevin, who are your tips? Who's your tip to win this evening? 
So I've gone for England to win 2-1 after extra time. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes into extra time. Mm -hmm. And I think ability to bring on guys like Grealish, Sancho, yeah. Foden, those guys who can change a game, who can take advantage of tired minds, tired legs towards the end of the 120, I think that might make the difference. And just on that Grealish thing, what was what was the thoughts and what's the the the, um, the public's thoughts on obviously the, the Grealish substitution on on uh, in the semi-final because obviously brought him on as a as as someone to change the game. It didn't really happen for him. Um, and then obviously he took him off back in extra time. What was the what was the feelings back home towards that? Strong. So the Grealish things. The Grealish thing's been really interesting because I think he's almost been the kind of centre of a debate in terms of is Gareth Southgate too cautious? Now my feeling has always been that Grealish is a great impact sub. He's a great player, full stop. But mm -hmm. he's the kind of guy for me that you want to be brought on 65, 70 minutes Running because he draws contact, yeah. he wins set pieces, wins free kicks, that kind of thing. And he can make more of an impact from that moment on than he can from coming on at the start. But a lot of people think, I mean, if you listen to the way people talked about Jack Grealish at the start of the tournament, you'd think he was the second coming. His kind of legend grew the, the less he played because people were like, oh, Jack Grealish, come on, and we'll win 5-0. So I actually thought, I loved that substitution against the Danes because what it said to me was that Gareth Southgate doesn't care what we think, doesn't care what the fans think, doesn't care what any pundit thinks. He only cares about what is best for the team. Yeah. And his feeling was, right, we've got goal. Let's bring on Kieran Trippier. Let's lock it down. Let's make sure we don't do anything stupid. And Jack Grealish's reaction was very instructive because when Gareth Southgate went over to apologise for taking him off, he said, I don't care, Gaffer, we've made the final. Mm -hmm. And that tells you everything you need to know. These players believe in him. They understand what he's trying to do. And that when they're not in the team, they still feel part of the squad and part of the effort. Yeah, look, I think he's done, a, as I said earlier on, I think he's done a fantastic job given everything that's gone on with Gareth Southgate since 1996 and, and everything that, that's gone on for him. I think he's done a fantastic job. It will be just rewards for, for him. Um, if they do go on and win it, and I really, uh, and I say again, I say this through gritted teeth, I do really do hope that they go on and. Uh, <laughs> uh, and well, no, I don't think I'd want to hear it's it's coming home for the next fifty years because I think that's what uh, what might happen. But I wish them, <laughs> I wish them all the best. Um, Ponch, have you any last things to say to Kev before Mate, we? Uh, apart from the what? fact, apart from the fact, fact, thank you very, very much, Kev, for um, uh, for for coming on the show. We really, really look forward to uh, hearing more from you. Uh, you also do what the Bundesliga as well. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, that's so, right. So uh, German football's the speciality. So I've done uh, Bundesliga for about twelve years now. Yeah, so it's uh, Ken, Ken so England Germany is always interesting. Yeah, yeah. Can Bayern <laughs> Munich's reign be ended this this coming season? Thoughts? I think it'd be good for the league if it was, and oh, I say that with the greatest of respect to Bayern, uh, who are a great football team and a great football club. I think it would be nice for the league if Dortmund, Leipzig can get their act together and mm. really push them because that has happened. I think I think people look from the outside in, mm. look at the run of success and they say, oh, well, this is a one-team league. It isn't. It really isn't. But what has happened is even when Dortmund or Leipzig have been able to push them hard, Bayern have found another gear. Yeah. And that's what other teams haven't been able to do. But instead of trying to drag down Bayern, 
the other teams must look at how they improve themselves. Erling Haaland, I still think, will be a Dortmund player at the start okay. of next season. And so I think that's very, very exciting for them and for the league. And Marco Rosa, very intelligent coach, is in charge. So exciting times for Dortmund. Excellent. Awesome, mate. Thank you very much once again for joining us. Talk sport. You can always um, ke catch Kev there. And uh, hopefully, who knows, once the um, once the uh, domestic season kicks off in Europe, we might be able to get you back on. It would be awesome to have you back on. Great stuff. Cheers, chaps. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, Thanks Kev. Kevin. All the best. Good luck tonight. Thanks a lot. Cheers. That's Kev Hatchard. And um, Craig, I must, just, I must say that was a real coup getting Kev. He's a, he's a very, very well-known figure um, in um, in European football. How'd you get him? How'd you get a hold of him? Or is that a trade secret? Uh, no, if, if you really want to know, I actually, it was through LinkedIn, Tonch. So there you go. He's uh, he follows me through LinkedIn through for, for a number of years, and I just managed to get in contact with him and asked him would he uh, would he be willing to come on? And thankfully, he said yes. So uh, no, very very grateful for Kev for coming on, and uh, absolutely, he's a, he's a world of knowledge on European football. So uh, yeah, fantastic to get uh, his insight into into the final. Absolutely, ladies and gentlemen, you are tuning into the Football Outwear Show tonight. Is episode sixty six. Uh, proud episode sponsor is Macron Victoria, and our sponsor for the main. For the whole season, the big um, um, is, in fact, um, uh, George Cross Football Club. Um, they are having a big breakfast tomorrow morning at the club there. So make sure if you are available, pop in and um, see Mark and the crew there at um, George Cross. Speaking of which, here's a few messages from our major sponsors. Looking for the best in authentic Maltese cuisine? then you need to dine at Georgie's on Vista. Situated in the heart of Fraser Eyes, you can't go wrong when it comes to family dining. We have a menu for mum and dad, one for the kids, and one for seniors. Everyone's taken care of. Don't miss our specialty nights. Tuesday night is Palmer night, where you get to choose from not one, but five different Palmers. Wednesday night, kids eat free with every paying adult meal. Thursday night is Members Night, where members get the chance to win some great prizes. And Friday night, join us for happy hour between 5.30pm to 7.30pm. Jim, Johnny, Jack and their little brother Schooner are only $5 each. Looking to get an early start Friday afternoon for a punt? Our sports bar with TAB is open from 3pm Friday afternoons. To book your table, email info at georgiesonvista.com.au. Bring the family and come dine at Georgie's on Vista. 46 City Vista Court, Fraser Eyes, Plumpton. Sport requires effort, sweat and strong will, and Macron knows it. A leading global company with Italian DNA in the production and sale of sportswear, when Macron first entered the sports world in 1971, it was a small yet strong player. Since then, Macron has been growing at a very fast pace, supporting teams, sportsmen and women at all levels, working hard to supply them with the best technical products to help improve their performances. With over 4 million pieces of stock available in our Italian warehouse and an extensive range of on-field, off-field and free time products, we cater for everyone from amateurs to professional sporting organisations, even referees. Ranked third most prominent football brand by the UEFA, Macron keeps expanding its presence worldwide 
including Australia, where we are currently proud partners of Perth Glory, MacArthur FC, Port Adelaide and Parramatta Eels and more to come. Work hard, play harder, Macron, your next teamwear partner. For more information, visit our website at www.macronvic.com.au or call us on 1-800-MACRON. Welcome back to the Football Outwear Show. It is episode uh, 66 now. And, um, well, we've got some great, great guests coming for you. And our very, very next guest is a man who's probably, arguably, um, the most uh, cosmopolitan guest I guess we've ever had, Craig, as we've lost Steve again. Um, introduce our next guest because he's a man of, um, well, well, many different backgrounds, identities, however you want to call it, huh? <laughs> he is, yes. Well, I've had an Italian lesson while we've been off air and uh, it's uh, it's great to get a good friend of mine and uh, uh, how can we... World jet setter, should we call him? It's uh, Daniel Panocolo joins us live from from London. Good evening, Daniel. Good evening, guys. Daniel, shaves there. How are you, Daniel, mate? Now, um, um, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Yes. Well, awesome. Thank, you. fantastic for coming in. Now, now, Craig sort of gave given us a little bit of an uh, introduction to you. Um, tell us, mate. Well, first of all, you're you're an Italian from Melbourne, living in Russia. Uh, gone over to England. How did that all come about before we get into the nitty-gritty of what's going to happen oh. in a few hours' time? <laughs> hey, well, now, this will take you a few hours. <laughs> uh, well, I met while traveling in Eastern Europe uh, in 2016-17. I met a girl in Moscow, and the rest is history. Um, got married, moved over there to live with her. And how did you meet her, Daniel? She was my tour guide. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> was it a one-on-one -on -one tour guide or was it a tour uh, group? Or how did you stand no, out for the rest of the pack? It was one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. Okay, fine. Um, mate, and first of all, before we talk, like I said, before we talk about um, what's going to happen in a few hours' time, um, two and a half years in, in Russia, in Moscow, Geez, mate, a massive difference culturally and and and, and I guess size-wise to Melbourne. Um, what Moscow is about three, four times the size, bigger than Melbourne, or three? Is that right? Um, tell us, how, how did you adapt to the lifestyle over there? Uh, it started took some getting used to, just because of the uh, obviously the language, the culture, the way things are run there. It's, but I've accustomed to it, learnt the language, um, not. Well, not the best did it, but mm. um, speak it, communicate, and I made a great group of friends there as well. There's a few expats. There's a lot of English there that go there over there to work. So, yeah, my yeah, just took my life from Australia pretty much to Moscow. I mean, have a football team. So that's where I pretty much learned the language. Have to had to learn all the football Sweet vocabulary words. very quickly in a playing with a, a Russian team. So. That's been an experience as well. What what level is that? What what level of football is that? Is it like how uh, do they? Is it like a different amateur levels or social clubs or yeah? How, how do they compared to Victoria or compared to Australia? How do the um, Russians structure their football? I uh, my league is fantastic because because of the winter break we run pretty much the same calendar as Australia. 
Mm -hmm. uh, so we start in March but finish in November. So I play about over 40 games a year because we have the League Cup. Then the league I play in, it's split up in the way that uh, every there's like European league. So I play in the Serie A, there's the English league, Bundesliga. Then if you finish in the top three in your league or top two, you play midweek football against the other leagues. So in like a European cup in a way. So that those fixtures run out. So at the moment we're in the group stage in Europa League. We um, we're still in the cup and of course we've got the league. So by the end of the season we're 40, 45 games, which Gosh. Wow. Yeah, it's I'd like to see that in Australia. Like, oh, we'd love to see it. Yeah. 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 Rather than 20. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So tell us, uh, Daniel, you're, um, you're uh, currently in London. You've, uh, you've, you arrived a few days ago, and I believe you've had to go into quarantine for five days. Is that correct? Yes. I took a risk after we beat Belgium. Uh, I was going to go beforehand, but I, I thought... Belgium might have been difficult for us. So I came, arrived Monday, just in case we made the final. And luckily, at the end of the game, the penalties, uh, we got through. So I finished my quarantine yesterday. So I'm, uh, I'm free to go today, which is very happy with. <laughs> what are you expecting from the game? Uh, like Craig said, uh, only a thousand. I got an email. Only a thousand tickets got allocated to Italians from Italy, mm. so they've got a twelve-hour bubble to travel into England today and travel back home. But unfortunately, that if those are go, they have to quarantine back in Italy for five days. Uh, hopefully, all the Italians here bought tickets just to get the numbers up. Yeah, there was a so there was a fair few at the semi-final. So yeah. hopefully, a lot of them got tickets because otherwise, it's going to be a very Interesting experience. A yeah. sea of white tonight. Yeah. So are you are you going back to Russia or are you going to Italy after this? Uh, I'm going to go to Italy. Uh -huh. I'm going to see some family, uh, see some friends. And uh, if I go back to Italy, avoid quarantine in uh, Russia as well. So yeah. We just lost Steve again. We keep losing Steve. I'm yeah, not sure what's going on there tonight, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Talk us about your, uh, your, 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 the game tonight for us, uh, for us, Dan. What, what are you expecting from, from the game? Uh, obviously, we spoke to Kevin Hatch out there about the England perspective uh, from an Italian who follows the Serie A and Italian football uh, very, uh, very fondly. What are, your, what are your thoughts and expectations on the game this evening? Uh, I was reading the, the, the Gazette dello Sport uh, this morning and um, they were talking about should that we play for a false nine or include a Mobley into the team? It's just because the Mobley hasn't been firing. He had the his first two games were great, scored in both, but yeah, that's an that's a situation Mancini needs to uh, deal with. So I think he will start. I think it'll be Chiesa, Insigne, and Mobley up front. Then the midfield with Barella, Verratti, and Jorginho. Then uh, Dorenzo, the Bonucci, Collini, and then um, Emerson will be on the left. Uh, In terms of, of going... Mobley, um, um, he hasn't been. He, ha he has certainly hasn't been firing, has he? Um, he? I don't think he scored yet, uh, which is uh, which is pretty significant for the for the for the main striker within the team. But 
I suppose when you've got Insigni, uh, Insigni, sorry, around you, and Chiesa has been a, a star for me. Um, of course, he wasn't in the initial um, group of players, was he? He came in very late into the squad, uh, but what a star he's turned out to be. Yes, uh, he's always had it in him. Um, you could look back at the Champions League game against Porto. When he came on, he changed the game for Juventus against Porto. I mean, he's, I mean, his dad scored here in 96, yeah. so, so it's... He's like father, like son there. Um, he He's going to be a big influence today. He can turn the game at the drop of the hat. Also, Bellotti, he, he, I'm sure he'll come on at some stage. He hasn't fired yet, but I mean, he's prolific at Torino and uh, he could pop up today as well if needed. So we've got, we've got those on the bench. Uh, like Nick Stroll said last week, um, the, the team that was selected are all from around the clubs in Italy. I mean, there's three players from Sassuolo. Uh, it's got some of Pete, Torino, Roma, Milan. Uh, it's yeah, the, the whole country's covered. Plus the the contingent of playing France. Yeah, and how was um, just on obviously the the contingent and and what Mancini's done. Um, you know, if you look at the squad of players that they got, and it's not always been the case with Italy. Very much a little bit like France, where they seem to self-combust at major tournaments in 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 certain aspects. How has uh, Maldini managed to to get this squad, the togetherness of this squad, back um, to what what it should be? Because if you look at some of the celebrations and the togetherness after after every game, it's been fantastic. What has he done differently with this group of players? Because there's a lot of play. I think. Um, 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 Diamante Alessandro Diamante wrote up on on Twitter, and he said that you know what a fantastic his job of getting a team together that was, you know, at, at bits and pieces and was wasn't together. And he's done a fantastic. How has he done that? I think it's the belief in the players. Um, we all 2017 in Milan, their unfortunate loss to Sweden. Since that day, like Ventura even mentioned that Jorginho. Isn't in his plans. wasn't in his plans back then. So, um, and he's a prolific player. Uh, there's talks about him in Italy winning the Ballon d'Or. I'm not sure if he will, but Mancini has a belief in the players. He has a belief in everyone. I mean, he selected Raspadori, which he hadn't had a cap up until the friendlies prior to the uh, to the Euros. So he, he has belief in the younger players. He has belief in the older ones. I mean, Kalini was. Injured last year, surprise. I personally didn't think he would get up in time before the Euros. I mean, at his age, he's come back. He's been fantastic throughout the tournament alongside Bonucci. So it's just belief from the older players to the younger players. And you've seen that. I mean, the the first since 1990, uh, there hadn't been a major tournament, World Cup or Euro in Italy. And being in that... At that opening night in Rome, you could see just the expression, the emotion on the fans. It was a special night, and it's been taken from that from the first game right throughout the tournament. Steve uh, has managed to join us again. Steve, have we got you again, or have we lost you? I think I'm here at the moment. Sorry about this, Daniel. I've missed the whole interview, but I'll have to watch it back to get your insights before the kickoff <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, what will you do if uh, Italy can get over the line and get the win in the final? Uh, 
Oh, I haven't thought that far ahead. <laughs> uh, That's a I'll good be, thing, probably. <laughs> we'd be very emotional. We'd be very emotional. I was quite emotional after the win against Spain. So to be in such an atmosphere that's against us tonight and to get the win will be so it will be amazing. It'll be very, very special. Um, 2006, I was still a teenager, so mm. I couldn't celebrate it as much as I would want to. I'd school the next day. So, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> yeah. 2012 was a disaster. I was uh, overseas at the time, and you know, the 4-0 loss to Spain was horrible. But hopefully tonight things change, and we win our first European Cup since... Uh, now, just uh, for you, long time, yeah. you said earlier on that you're one of 1,000 um, uh, ticket holders, Italian ticket yeah. holders, that have managed to get a ticket. Where are you actually sat, Dan? You sat with the Italian fans? Oh, I was having a look on the Wembley map yesterday, and it doesn't look like it. I wish you all the best for yes, that. Because I, I got it as a <laughs> English, the re an English resident before the final, so I think they've just put me anywhere so is that right well I'm, you... I'm happy to i'm happy to stop with any englishman that or woman that's uh in the italian <laughs> section <laughs> i've seen that happen at many many tournaments in the past and uh, you get these uh um elderly couple amongst all of the uh, loud let's call them the active supporters and all it takes is like can we swap with these people that gladly gladly yeah, I'm, so. sure down, I'm sure if you get down wembley way early um dan there'll be somebody there that uh, that has a ticket in the wrong section <laughs> yeah, i'm sure dan now we've got a rather well craig i'll let you um because um this is your doing i'll let you take all the glory with this uh, next announcement as far as the upcoming um italian domestic competition the Serie A. craig do you want to say what our major announcement is regarding that yeah, well, look, we've uh, we've got a lot of Italian listeners and uh, Santo Mamone and a number of others that listen to the show on a regular basis on a massive uh, Serie A um, um, uh, supporters. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've spoken to Daniel, and Daniel now has agreed to come on on a on a regular basis and uh, and give us everything going on yeah. in, in Serie A, which is which is fantastic news, you know. As same as uh, Kevin Hatch out there, I've just actually spoken to Kevin while we're on air uh, via messenger, and uh, he's more than happy to come on and talk about the uh, the Bundesliga as well. So it's a it's a great uh, it's a great thing for us as we uh, as we grow the uh, the football out west show. So uh, thanks very much for for committing to that, Dan. I'm sure uh, everybody will be looking. For forward to listening to your thoughts and views and topics from from uh, from the Italian Serie A. There's uh, plenty going on in the transfer market at the moment there and a lot of coaching changes this year really? as well. So it will be a very interesting year. Conte gone, so we'll see how Inzaghi takes over at Inter. And yeah, Sari is back in a coaching role. So Lazio, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, most of the most of the teams went back to training this week. So in the upcoming month, July, there'll be a lot more transfer news, and once Euros finish, there'll be a, much more of a focus in Italy on all the changes that are happening within the club level there. Yeah, absolutely. Now we've put up this slide a little bit earlier. Um, the Scottish newspaper, the National has put up uh, save us roberto you're our final hope and there's uh there's a there's a copy of the italian flag and also the welsh flag and that's why um um our man um craig is jumping on board and supporting it in a big way <laughs> but mate um 
the local press, what's the local press been like there in England? What have they been like as far as, um, oh, I guess, their level of parochialism? Or is that the best way to describe it? <laughs> Things like this. <laughs> we can be... We can be heroes. Yes. And every other paper, the Times, like I went for the, a walk this morning just to see what the newspapers were like. And it's obviously very one sided. Uh, I just even opened this one. Nothing good to say about Mancini. The papers just said he was a power freak at Man City. So it's all very. I mean, it, I can understand. Since 1966, mm. like last night, they had the uh, Germany England World Cup replaying oh, colour here. So mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. it's been all of it. They didn't have that on. They didn't have that on TV. Surely not. They did. They did. So it's all been give me strength. Very exciting for everyone here in England. I mean, they've waited a long time, so I can understand. I mean, uh, my last time I've seen Italy in five finals, and I mean, I can't remember '94, but. I mean, like people are talking on TV. It's 50 years old, haven't seen him. So I can understand the hype, this, how special it is for them tonight. But hopefully mm -hmm. they're not they're not bringing it home tonight. <laughs> and once again, we're joined by Steve. It's just like introducing him every time he comes back on. Um, Steve, any last? Um, we just made the announcement that Daniel is going to be a regular yeah. correspondent. He needs that, to practice his English. That's what it is. Yes, uh, every week he gets a great. chance. <laughs> I was going to say, Tonti, it's great news because none of us know a whole lot about Serie A, so we can yes, cover good, all bases. Good point. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure there's a lot, a lot of fans out there, a lot of listeners that do know, and they will love to know all the latest that's going on. Um, Daniel, thank you very much for joining us. As we said, we're going to be hearing a lot from you um, in, in weeks and months to come. All the best for, for well, tomorrow's game for us here in Australia, but tonight's game, for, in your case, and uh, hopefully you won't be... Um, uh, surrounded by too many of those uh, palms because uh, they can be a loud, loud mob, eh? especially on their home turf. <laughs> big, big day for the Italians here in London. They're calling it Women Web. So Wimbledon, Matteo Berrettini's in the final today against Djokovic, and then obviously the big game tonight. So what's your, for Italians in London. And what's your plans now? What time is it back in the UK? It's uh, what eleven o'clock. Yeah. So. I've got ground passes to Wimbledon. I'm just going to chill on Henman Hill, just watch Berrettini on the hill there, and then slowly make my way over to Wembley and get in nice and early. Scout out the, uh, yeah. the plane. It will be slowly, mate, because there'll be 100,000 people uh, on their yeah. way to Wembley, so uh, from one side of London to the other. But, uh, look, thanks very much for joining us, mate. Have a have a great day today. All the best to all the Italian uh, supporters who are there at the game, and uh, let's hope we have a, have a cracker. And uh... <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. You get that flag out, mate. That's right. You get it. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, it's good. Awesome. Guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to being part of the show throughout the year once the domestic season starts as well. Cannot wait. Yeah, just a big tournament finishing and the domestic season begin commencing. Daniel uh, Pagnocolo, all the very, very best to you. And thank you once again for joining us. Thank you, guys. Have a good evening. We'll Cheers, Dan. Good on you. Thanks, Dan. Daniel Pagnocolo um, from all the way from the other end of the world joining us. And, gents, we're going to take a very, very quick break. When we return, we'll be chatting to Oakley Cannon's um, 
to the Oakley Cannons coach, none other than Chris Taylor, and he'll be joining us very shortly. Don't go away, folks. It's the Football Out West show you are tuning into. Looking for a venue for your next event? Our function room at George's on Vista is the perfect place for your next special celebration. That special birthday or anniversary, a baptism, communion or confirmation, whatever the celebration, we can provide a fun and enjoyable atmosphere with great food. Why not hold your next corporate event in our function room? We can seat up to 100 people and can provide you with a professional environment. Whether you're looking to hold a stand-up or sit-down event, we can cater to your needs. We have meal plans and platters for you to choose from. For more information, send an email to info at georgiesonvista.com.au. There's no better place out west to hold your next function than at Georgie's on Vista, 46 City Vista Court, Fraser Rise, Plumpton. Welcome back to the Football Out West show. Um, it is, and you saw a little bit of footage from Saturday or Friday night's big game there at Knight Stadium, and that was the game between the Oakley Cannons and the Melbourne Knights. A good game that was, gentlemen. Um, did you watch it? Any of it? Any of you guys watch it? Unfortunately, this weekend. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, this weekend I didn't. I normally uh, do try to get a game on a, on a Friday night, even if uh, I'm not commentating with Steve. I do try and watch one, but unfortunately, this weekend was a little bit difficult for me. Mm-hmm. But the um, our next guest was at that game. Um, Craig, do we have um, the Oakley Cannons coach, uh, Chris Taylor, on the line? We certainly do. Chris, good evening. Good evening, guys. How are you doing? Very good, Chris Tonchi Prusak here. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Mate, before we talk about the big one tomorrow morning, our time, of course, we're talking about the Euro 2020 um, uh, final. Let's talk about Friday night. It was the culmination of a rather busy week for the Oakley Cannons and yourself as as the head coach of the Oakley Cannons. Um, To take us through the last seven days, um, at, um, at Oakley, how did how, you know the highs and lows, if you like? How how was it the week for you? Oh look, I suppose it was uh, probably a little bit disappointing for us uh, getting knocked out of the FFA Cup mm. um, on the Tuesday. Uh, you know, playing obviously one of our big rivals in South Melbourne, and uh, we ended up going 120 minutes, and the deadlock couldn't be broken, and. Uh, I think we went out six five on penalties, so that that's a bit disappointing. And obviously backing it up on the on the Friday against Melbourne Knights, who are a good side, but you know that was uh, our seventh game in twenty one days, so um, it, it did take its toll. And you know um, we've had a few little niggles, injuries. We had one player uh, in lockdown, in quarantine for two weeks. He was in the uh, the apartment block in South Melbourne that uh, got shut down, so um, he could play four games. So, yeah, it's been a tough time for us, but, you know, probably probably a good thing for us. Um, we came through it technically unbeaten, although we went out in the Cup. Um, I think we won five games, uh, drew one or drew two, if you count the penalty shootout. So, you know, it wasn't all too bad. And just on that, Chris, you say yeah, you, you've, you've had seven games in 21 days. How do you as a coach 
plan for plan for that because clearly there can't be any training sessions or if there are training sessions it's very little how does a how does a coach plan for seven games in 21 days which is effectively three a game every three days yeah look i mean obviously quite correct i mean you can't really do much training uh, we, we we generally go in and have uh, you know basically a bit of a, a loosener up or um you know, just get the guys moving, a bit of massage, that sort of thing. Uh, probably play a bit of five-a-side, but just uh, it, it's just about keeping players ticking over. Um, and I think the hardest thing is, uh, you know, I think the fitness levels are, are, are quite good for a semi-professional league in the NPL. Um, I always find with my players, it's, it's the mental side of it that's hard. Uh, you know, you might have a lad that goes to work at six in the morning, mm. plays bricks all day. Mm. Then you got to get them at training at night, and then you know our, our games are all on a Tuesday or a, a Friday. So on a working day, we've got uh, games at night, um, and mentally, it's very, very tough for players to, to actually turn up and get switched on and concentrate for the full ninety minutes or one hundred and twenty minutes, whatever it, it, it is. And um, that, that's where I find it really difficult. But we've got quite a good squad, experienced boys. Um, we, we've done a little bit of rotation, had a few injuries and that sort of thing. Uh, but I think it shows where we are. You know, we, we, we are one of the better sides going around at the moment. Uh, but, but it's very, very hard to keep backing up day after day after day. Uh, Chris, it's Steve here. Thanks for joining us tonight. Um, you mentioned, yeah, you did have a player that you lost for the 14 days there. And it wasn't just any player. It was um, a key man in, uh, in Joe Guest. Was he able to try and keep some sort of match fitness going from being locked in his apartment for two weeks and how's his fitness now compared to beforehand? Yeah, look, look what was quite funny. Um, I think he was doing 5Ks uh, in his own way, um, which, which uh, I mean, look, look, we thought it was quite good for Joe. He's got little legs, so, uh, you know, it was probably quite a big run for him. But, um, you know, it, it was very difficult. And I, 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 mentally, I think it, it's very demanding for people that, that are on lockdown for a period of time. Um, you know, Joe struggled with it, I know, but he's come back really good. You know, played a full game against South Melbourne and, uh, and played back up again very well on, uh, you know, scoring a goal uh, against Melbourne Knights on Friday. So we're just really pleased to have him back. He's one of the better players going around and, uh, yeah, we've got a lot to look forward to him with, with him being back. Great. Oh, thanks. Um, now, Chris, <laughs> um, Chris, uh, oh, let's turn our attention now to the big one, the big game. Um, now, you're a proud Eng Englishman, so we're not going to even ask you who's going to win. But um, what what do you think will happen in the game? Um, will it be a close one? Will it be a one-sided affair? Will it go into extra time? What's Chris Taylor think about the final of the Euro Championships 2020 between England and Italy? Yeah, well, I suppose it's two things. I've got, I've got my heart and my head. Uh, <laughs> heart, I, I think they'll go out and play really well, but um, there's got to be a lot of respect there for the Italians. But you know, they're a well-structured team. Always have been. Mm. Um, they, you know, they, they, uh, their mental side and their mental strength is very, very good. Um, so I don't, don't think it's going to be an easy game. But I think England have now got. You know that that bit of steam uh, and and the players coming through and and the whole nation behind them and uh, it'd be great if they could uh, you know take this one out you know it's everyone mm -hmm. been waiting such a long time and um, for for them to fulfil the potential and I suppose that's what it is they've got good players there but um, I think they uh, they cop a bit of a hiding from the uh, 
the media there and they've almost won tournaments before they even get out there and that makes it very difficult. But um, mm. well, I hope it all goes well for them. I think they've got great players. I think the manager's done really well. He's resisted the pressure, you know, that comes with the media, um, telling him who to pick and who to leave out. You know, Kane should have been dropped uh, two weeks ago. Sterling shouldn't have been playing and, and they've both performed really well. So I, I think my hat's off to the, the manager or the coach, uh, Southgate. I think he's done a tremendous job and hopefully they can pull it off um, tomorrow morning. I'll definitely be up there probably having a beer at five o'clock in the morning before I go to work. Strange one. <laughs> just another Monday morning. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Craig. Yeah, just I was actually going to touch on uh, on um, Gareth Southgate and, and what a fantastic job I think he's done. I mentioned it to Kevin Hatchard earlier on um, about the, the the temptation that he's had to change things. You know, he's mentioned there Harry Kane, you know, under massive pressure at, uh, earlier on in the tournament is now one goal away from leading the tournament as a as, as a top goal scorer. So, and then you've got Raheem Sterling coming on, but just on, just on Gareth Southgate, how much? Will this mean to him as a as the head coach now, having been what he's been through over the last twenty years? Um, obviously, missing that penalty, um, you know, if, if back in the day when I was back, you know, everybody wanted him hung. Um, you know, it was that that intense back home. But he's he's got through all of it. How do you think he's coped with it all? And you know, what do you what do you what do you expect from him over the next uh, few years? Well, well, I suppose, it, you know, everyone's looking at it. It's like a redemption for him uh, as to what went on a few years back. But you know, I think I think he's a very, very level-headed man uh, to, to cope with the pressures that go with yeah. that sort of um, job. Um, and he handles it really well. He conducts himself well in the media. Um, and like I say, he, he's obviously got his own thoughts on it. We don't always agree with him at times, but uh, you've got to take your hat off to him. It's not an easy job, you know, when you're coaching and you're carrying the hopes of a nation forward and so far he's done that very very well but um you know you know i, I think he summed it up as well you know um you, you go down in history if he pulls this off tomorrow yeah um he's basically a legend for the rest of his life and uh, you know it, it's amazing what happens um and, and that's where i think football's such a good game it kind of unites nations whether that be italy whether it be england tomorrow um, you don't get sports that you you know bring a whole nation together the way that uh, football does at times. You know, yeah. I experienced it in a probably a lesser capacity uh, coming from Leicester uh, when they won the EPL mm. and um, and going back there for the last game. Um, it, it was like going to Brighton. It, it was like a, a magical place that everyone was happy and uh, and that's how football can lift a whole community or. Or in this time, a nation, you know, and, um, you know, whoever wins it tomorrow obviously will deserve it. But, um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great if they could pull it off because I know there'll be so many people that are just delighted with it. Yeah, but we're not going to hear the end of it for another 50 years, Chris. Exactly. It's coming home. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Craig, you, we did, we, um, as Chris said, it, um, football does unite nations, and 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 in, in particular, this is this is a graphic from your um, Facebook feed earlier today. 
how um, Italy has united. Now, he won't be able to see this, but uh, basically there are Italian flags strewn all over Europe except for England, even Wales, even Scotland, Ireland. They've all got the Italian flag, and it's it's, it's a funny little, um, uh, nice little uh, graphic, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it's um, England are, Chris, in many ways, either you love them or you hate them. But I guess a lot of people will agree, and, and I, for one, Southgate really does seem to be a gentleman, and I think he's probably got a lot, a lot of admirers or a lot of fans since this has all started. Maybe not with the English. The English are a cutthroat bunch there. But if you're a non-English supporter, I think there's a there's a small, I won't say man crush, but there, I think there's a lot of people that have developed a real um, liking for the way Southgate has handled himself. Thoughts? Yeah, look, look, I definitely think he's done really well, but I, I suppose we're a little bit like the Collingwood of the AFL. Yeah. Hate, <laughs> hate them. Um, but, um, but they're a big and strong, whether you call it club, nation, um, you know, in, in terms of football and that. And uh, I, I think it'd be great if they could win it. But yeah, you guys won't hear the last of it if they do. Uh-huh, tell me, tell me about it. So who, where, where's, where's the wing going to come from? How, how are England going to break down this uh, this dogged Italian defence? And uh, how do you see the game being won? Look, my, my worry, and I think they're being fantastic at the back, uh, England, but um, it, it's, for me, it's the back four and the goalkeeper. If they can uh, resist, yeah, and, and they're very, very clever players, the Italians, and they've got you know good performers. Um, I think going forward, I think they'll compete well in midfield, and I think they've got players that can turn it on. They can bring two or three, three players on, the likes of Grealish, and, and and turn the game a little bit. But I think it all comes back down to the uh, the back four, who, who have played very well so far. Uh, but by the same token, uh, I think it's it, it's going to a different level with the Italians now. So. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be hoping that they can keep the Italians out, and uh, and then I think we've got the goods to, to score a goal or two at the other end. And can I just ask about the midfield, which you touched on there? Uh, obviously, Kevin Phillips and uh, and Rice as a midfield player. Kevin Phillips probably wasn't um, um, on everybody's sort of hit list at the at the start of the tournament, but I think he's grown. Um, we've all seen it at Leeds how he's uh, he's grown into that role and. Um, He's done a fantastic job, hasn't he? Is that as uh, that one of those holding midfield plays there? Yeah, and, that, and I think that that's a little bit down to Southgate. You know, we, we, there's good players going around in the, in the uh, EPL, English players um, and classy midfielders. But I think the workmanlike effort um, and the simplicity of the way they play that makes them very, very good in there. They compete for everything, um, and sometimes it's not about playing the best performers. It's about playing the people that fit well in their team. And I think that's what he's got. He's got a good cohesion there um, and a good work rate with quick players, uh, move, move the ball around well. Um, you know, So I think, you know, all hats off to the coach for, uh, for recognising that. And I think, like, Phillips, for me, has been, you know, probably a player of the tournament so far, you know. Yeah. All right, Chris. Well, from one big game to another, you've got the Bentley Greens this Friday night at uh, down at uh, your home ground. They had a 3-0 win over Heidelberg this afternoon. Mm. Um, did you catch any of that? And, and how's the team uh, looking to shape up for that particular game? And uh, how's the health of the squad? Are you getting a few players back from injury? Because I know you've got plenty of depth with some really good mid-season signings you've brought in. Yeah, look, we, um, I, I think for us, it's just having that bit of a break. So we're, we're having tomorrow off uh, in expectation of celebrating uh, a few of us. But um, 
Now, on Tuesday, we'll train. Wednesday, we'll train. Um, and obviously, Bentley's another derby for us. They're, they're a very good side. We played them earlier on this season on their ground, lost 1-0. But it was a close game, and um, I think it'll be more of the same this Friday. Uh, they're a very good footballing side, but I think we, we, we matched them fairly well. Um, and there'll just be a goal in it. So hopefully, we uh, we get back back on the horse and uh, you know start performing and scoring some goals again. And it's a very tight league up this, uh, Chris. We're just looking at here, you know, Avondale on 35 points, yourself on 31, Bentley Green's on 30, Hume on 27, Heidelberg on 27. It's a very close league, isn't it? It, it is. And, um, you know, I, I mean, you know, there's, there's no clear standout, although you've got to say that Avondale are, are the ones that have taken the league by storm, but um, anyone's capable of beating anyone. And, uh, you know, you put three results together and all of a sudden you move right up the table and, or vice versa. Three poor results and uh, and you're dropping out the six. So um, I think it's very, very tight and there's, there's sides that are well and truly capable. Chris, on that on that um, on that note, we wish you all the very best for the rest of the season. Thank you once again for joining us. Um, as far as tomorrow games is concerned, may the better team win. But but you're right. I think I think uh, football is the winner. It's 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 just going to be an absolute um, extravaganza of football. I for one can't wait. The rest of us here in this in this in our various studios also can't wait. And I'm sure you are just um, jumping out his skin at the prospect of a. Uh, that England coming home, that it's coming home song being played over and over and over wherever you go. But um, wishing you all the best, mate, for the um, the remainder of the season. Good on you. Thanks very much. I'm just off for my uh, bindaloo now as well. <laughs> <laughs> Classic British food. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, I forgot I should have played that, shouldn't I? I actually forgot that one. Yeah, so, yeah good man. Thanks, yeah. Chris. All the best uh, for the, uh, the remainder of the season, as Tonchi said. And uh, thanks for coming on tonight. All right, cheers, guys. Thanks very much. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. That's Chris Taylor, the senior coach of the um, Oakley Cannons. Uh, Gents, we're almost at the end, but we're going to quickly, quickly, quickly go over um, some of the results played over the weekend in the NPL, and we'll also have a quick look at the... um, the um the the um the next next week's round some absolute corker games. Um, Steve, you want to take us through some of the results of the games that have been played so far? Yeah, sure. It started on Friday night with a spate of uh, one all draws. Mm. It was Melbourne Knights one, Oakley Cannons one, and then it was also South Melbourne one, Green Gully one. And just as Altona Magic thought they were going to get a win in that relegation six-pointer, Dan Ninong City scored through Nick Kelmar to make that game one all as well. And then today it was, uh, well, Avondale, they got the better of Eastern Lions, four goals to nil, and Eastern Lions finished with 10 men, while Bentley Greens went to Heidelberg and got a 3-0 win, and it's a bad spell of Heidelberg, uh, for Heidelberg with only one point in their last three. And... Uh, the match I was at this afternoon, uh, St Albans couldn't get the uh, win to get off the bottom. They went down 1-0 to uh, Dandenong Thunder, who's also on a hot streak, unbeaten in six. Yeah, tell us about that the- game, by the way, Steve. St Albans, are they, are they unfortunately shooing for relegation? Can they, you know, based on today's game, can you see them, you know, staving off relegation? Because as Craig said, it's is very, very close competition, both at the top and at the bottom. Yeah, they, they gave it everything they had and they had some chances uh, that fell to uh, uh, Jason Hart and, and Brad Murray and uh, the young fella, Jama Boss, was bouncing around supporting the attacks as well. Yeah. But um, it was it was sort of too too little, uh, too late really by the time they sort of started to try and throw the kitchen sink, uh, as it were, at uh, the Thunder who um, 
yeah, they're looking pretty good at the moment. And Hamish Watson had a number of chances to mm. to seal the game, and he did get the early goal, but he couldn't um he couldn't seal it. And as one person in the comments was saying, he's trying to keep the cover off it when he should just be popping it in the corner. But um, it didn't matter because it was a huge travelling contingent of Dandenong Thunder fans who really enjoyed their afternoon, especially when they got the three points and um since that ladder is uh, on your screen there is um being produced they've actually jumped over south melbourne into mm, uh, mm. eighth place now so they're actually pushing for the the top six on there um it's gonna take um something special to get out of the league from here but i mean mathematically they are only a point behind um those two in uh, 12th and 13th so the draw between altona and dandenong city was a good result, I think, as far as St. Albans Saints were concerned um, on Friday night. But, yeah, they've got some tricky games coming up as well against yeah. – uh, um, oh, sorry, I've just lost my notes here – against South Melbourne and then uh, Hume City as well. So, um, yes, it's not an easy league. And um, at the moment, they're, yeah, no. they're probably the bookies' favourites to uh, go down. Well, we know there's plenty of bookies getting involved in this. We'll probably yeah. <laughs> Now, Craig, uh, turning our attention to round 21, we've got two big Friday night games, Green Gully versus Dandenong City. That's a uh, Green Gully reserve. And then the one we just spoke with, um, Chris Taylor, the Oakley Cannons, Bentley Greens. How do you see those two Friday night games shaping up? Look, the Oakley Cannons, Bentley Green one is, uh, is a big one, isn't it? Um, you know, yeah. For, uh, for, I think Huge. For for both sides, uh, we talk about you know the the big six pointers. You know, it's a it could put a bit of daylight between um, you know uh, Oakley and, and Bentley Greens if if they get a win. Uh, it's it's four points, which is effectively two games. So um, yeah, look, that'll be a that'll be a cracker. Um, Oakley Cannons are doing really well, as as Chris said, but it's whether that you know seven games in twenty one days at some yeah. point make its toll. Um, Let's let's hope for Chris's sake and, and cans that it won't. But um, I'm sure it's, uh, it's it must be very difficult for for the players to get up and focus for every game, having played that many games in in a short space of time. Now, Steve, on Saturday we've got three uh, games, three important games. Every game is important, really, really is. Avondale taking on Port Melbourne Sharks. If the Sharks want to uh, get into that top six. They will really, really need, or, you know, to, to maintain that spot in the top six. Yeah, They've got a it. tough that's game it. against Avondale. <laughs> Hume City at home to uh, Dandenong Thunder. That's at 5.30 p.m. Geez, that's going to be a good game. And then we've got um, um, Eltona Magic um, taking on the Melbourne Knights at Paisley Park. How do you see those three games panning out? Yeah, well, just going back to this evening as well, there was that result featuring two of those teams. It was Port Melbourne nil, uh, Hume City won in the match down at JL Murphy. So Hume continues. Pretty good spell of form at the moment. I like this match between Hume City and Dandenong Thunder, two informed teams at uh, ABD Stadium next Saturday evening. I think if, you, if you're in the area and you're free, that one is worth getting along to because that, uh, that could go either way at that one. Yeah. Um, Avondale. Supporters will, uh, uh, will be fun up there as well, Steve. The uh, the Turkish yep. supporters there from Hume and obviously Dandenong Thunder will go in. Uh, yeah, exactly. Good point, Craig. Both sides. Atmosphere. Yeah. Both sides with active supporters, and they um they brought their drums and and megaphones and horns and flags and things today. Did the Thunder supporters? So, um, yeah, if you want a good atmosphere as well, not only just a good match as well, that is worth Absolutely. getting to ABD on Saturday. Avondale should get the win over Port Melbourne. They're, they're red hot at the moment. Avondale and Port's yeah. had a Port's had a bit of a, a a surge of late, but I think Avondale's got too much quality and depth in their squad. Yeah, um, and we'll kind of talk about Altona Magic and Knights. Um, yeah, interesting game. Altona, they haven't played 
a game. Uh, I haven't played a game at home for a little while, so we'll see how they go on their uh, on their return home. They, you know, they never never know. They could spring a surprise, um, but the Knights mm. should be um, they're playing good enough football and not getting results. So this is their turn to put their foot down and um, make sure they do get three points. So the Knights will be very unlucky. They did not get the three points against Oakley Cannons, and if ever there was a time to uh, defeat the Cannons, it was last Friday night. Um, Craig brings us up. That brings us to the final two games of next weekend. St. Albans Saints at home to South Melbourne at Churchill Reserve at 3 p.m. And then we've got Heidelberg United at home to Eastern Lions. Uh, that's at 5 p.m. at Olympic Village. Thoughts on those games? Yeah, look, uh, Steve has, I think, summed uh, St. Albans up very well, although Maxi Santos just said in the comments that Dinamo uh, won't give up, still have everything to play for in the bunker. and. Um, you know, you know you're, what you're going to get with St. Albans. They're not going to give up right until the last one. Mm, mm. um, so they're going to give everything. South Melbourne haven't been on the best of forms. Um, dropped down the uh, dropped down the ladder over recent weeks. Um, you know, they they need the win as well as much mm. as St. Albans do. Um, so yeah, very interesting game that at uh, at Churchill Reserve and and Heidelberg against Eastern Lions. Very much in the same format. You know, Heidelberg need the win and as do Eastern Lions. So uh, two very uh, very good games next week. Yeah. Gents, it's going to be an exciting, well, not um, tomorrow morning is going to be super exciting. Uh, we've got a great weekend coming up next week. Lots of, lots of good action. Uh, Craig, you and I will be commentating not an NPL game. We'll be involved with a State League 2 match next Saturday. Uh, out at um, And this is uh, uh, the Rayman's club, Brenton Ray, at um, Hoppers Crossing. Hoppers Crossing taking on Geelong Rangers in a um a past players and sponsors day so looking forward to that steve have you got any uh any commentary uh next weekend commentary commitments next weekend mate you know we don't find out this early but um, yeah i yeah. know <laughs> shout out to everyone down at uh down at hoppers crossing soccer club very good club and uh good memories i have yours, from yes. my time there of course yeah now gents we will be taking a break next week because of all of the action that is actually happening we're going to really have to take a nice little holiday. So, unfortunately, we will not be on air next Sunday, but we will be back in two Sundays' time for the Football Out West show, and that will be episode 67. It's been a great show tonight, hasn't it? I'm really excited about tomorrow. I'm going to go to bed early tonight, so I'm up nice and early and uh, able to take in tomorrow's game with, um, with lots of enthusiasm, energy. Gents, finally, let's finish it off. Tips. Steve. Who do you think is going to win and by how much? Uh, Italy 1-0, uh, Jorginho penalty kick. Oh, oh you've got me now. I'm, I'm not, next? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not changing my mind. I think Italy will win in extra time. I think they'll win 2-1. And I think to score the winner will be, ooh, let me think, Berardi will come on in extra time and score the winner. Mm. Oh, okay. And Tonchi. Oh. It's going to end up in penalties. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a 1-1 or a nil-nil scoreline. It will end up in penalties. And when it comes down to penalties, it's anyone's guess. And your answer is what? Italy. Forza Italia. Santino Mamone. <laughs> oh, you've made his night. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think Italy... I think Italy He'll win to Italy then on the uh, on the pundits uh, pundits. All right, gents. Thank you very much. For being, 
Thank you very much for being a part of tonight's show. Big shout out to our major sponsor for 2021, Caroline Springs George Cross Football Club, and also to our episode sponsor, Macron Victoria. And not just because um, Giacomo Caruli and the, and the rest of the crew down there at Macron are sponsoring this week's episode. That's not the reason I'm saying Italy will win. Um, I, I just got this feeling. But, uh, gents, all the very best. I'll catch up with you in two weeks' time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Good night. Guys.